0: Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? You guys awake? You alive? Excited about this morning. Um, I don't often get the opportunity to do this, um, so it's a lot of fun. And you know what? It was so awesome just being able to be out here and worship. Um, amazing, that's this amazing worship team. That's, they're, I mean, I, they're really, you guys are just incredible. It was just such a blessing. It um, could just keep going and going, but I've got a word for you today. So I hope you're excited about that. Um, if we've not met, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors on staff and I have the privilege of serving with this amazing team. I'm um, So grateful for Pastor Benny and Kelly and the rest of the, the dream team here as we get to serve you. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're not here to serve our vision. We're here to serve you. We're here to equip you for the work of the ministry. That's actually our job description. That's the one that I find in scripture. And so hopefully today, you walk away feeling equipped and empowered to do the work of Jesus. Um, We realize here that church is not 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, I don't believe we are the church until we leave the building, till we walk out those doors. Most of life is done outside of these walls, not inside of the walls. I mean, I'm here more than you guys are, we kinda live here some, but, but most life is done outside of the walls of the church. And right now we're in a series called Reaching the One. Who is the one? Um, simply put, the one is someone who needs a relationship with Christ. It could be a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, somebody that is out of relationship with Jesus. It could be somebody that has used to be in the church, but they've walked away, and you're praying for them to come back. So through these messages, we're praying that God would give us a passion and a desire to reach the one and to have a renewed vision for the Great Commission. You know, we are supposed to go and make disciples. That's the call that we all have, isn't it? So last week, um, actually uh, three weeks ago, we started this series, Pastor Beny kicked it off, um, talking about the lost sheep. And uh, this is where we actually get the idea of the one from, um, as opposed to the 99ers. So the 99ers would be church folk, those that are in the fold. The one is the one that has strayed away, and they are lost, and they don't know how to get back home. And actually, they won't get back home unless we go and get them. The lost person is someone that is, has, is away from Christ and is needing rescue. Um, in the second week, pastors talked about the lost coin. A, a lady had 10 coins, she loses one, and she searched, and she searched until, somebody say until. until. Yeah, until she recovers it. Um, and this needs to be our heart, our desire, that we're not gonna give up on people. We're gonna search until they are found. And then pastor talked about the lost son. Um, This is one that grew up in the father's house, decided you know what, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm headed out, I'm gonna go do my own thing and lived life out going crazy. But then one day woke up said, "Man, this is not what I thought it was gonna be. I need to be back in the father's house. And right now there are many that are outside of the church. I don't know if you've ever experienced church hurt If you've ever experienced that, that time where you strayed away and you came back, I praise God that God was faithful and he was gracious and he didn't count all our sins against us, but he drew us back. How many have had little crazy times and then God brought you back? You're grateful, yes. And so right now we're praying for those that are outside that say, you know what? We're believing God's gonna touch their heart. They're gonna wake up and come back. And I believe part of that parable speaks to how we are ready to receive people when they do come back. Are we gonna judge them or are we ready to wrap our arms? Yeah, what kind of church are we gonna be? Are we gonna wrap our arms around those that come back? Man, we are so glad you're back in the house of the Lord. You know what? So this message is is not for the religious people. This this message is for people that want to follow Jesus. You didn't just come to play church, you realize that you are the church, empowered by the Spirit of God to do something right now and, and to reach people for Jesus. And then last week, Pastor Mike Bottolato preached and he talked about us having the right heart, that we need to have a heart that is distressed by people not being right with God. We need to have kind of a disturbance in our spirit that it's not just okay to live life and go through life without having a heart for those around us. So this week, I wanna talk to you about a story in the Bible, um, Jesus encountering a one. And so we're gonna read this passage in Luke chapter 19. There's 10 verses here, so let's read this together. Luke 19, verse one says this. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He is gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save, those who are lost. Can we read that last scripture together? For the Son of Man came to and save those who are lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be with family, with friends here. God, as we explore your word, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one that leads us into all truth So speak to every heart, including mine. Convict hearts, including mine. God, I thank you, Lord, for touching God. Not only those in this room, but those that are watching online right now. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing a work in us. Begin to stir in us. Begin to give us strategy. Begin to mobilize us. Help us, Lord God, to move beyond where we're at. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. This is one of those passages to me that, you read through it and things just start jumping out. Um, And so I'm just gonna go verse by verse if that's okay and every verse has something for us. Starting in verse one. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. When I read this verse, the first thing that sticks out to me is that Jesus was out and about. He was not in the synagogue hoping that somebody would come to him. He was not waiting at some house hoping that people would invite people to come to him or bring people to him. But often he found himself moving about, going about, doing the work, moving through cities, talking with people, and connecting with people. Although there were times where Jesus would be in the synagogue, the majority of his ministry was outside of the church of that day. Now we all believe in gathering together, that's why you're here this morning. We know that it's, it's commanded in the word to, to forsake not the gathering of yourselves together. We believe in that. However, the majority of life is not lived in these walls. The majority of life is lived out there. What's crazy about that though, is that even though we live most of our lives outside of these walls, we can find ways to effectively insulate our life from the world around us and we can live in what we call a Christian bubble. Has anybody ever heard that phrase before? Where we can live because all our friends are Christians. We go to Christian activities. We go attend Christian concerts. We go to Christian services. We invite Christians over to our house to have dinner. We enjoy Christian fellowship and on and on and on. And we can walk around with our Christian bubble lenses. We see see life through a certain perspective, don't we? but it's sometimes hard to break free from that and see life from a different perspective, to see life from how those outside of the walls see us. Personally, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad's pastor, my grandfather's were pastors, and and so it was very easy to grow up in a Christian bubble, and now I work in a church, so like, You know, five days of my week, I'm driving to this building and working out of this church, and I'm working right now to figure out ways to even break beyond that because if we're not connected to the world, how can we reach the world? And so this message is not me just preaching to you. As a matter of fact, I could preach this whole message to myself, I don't preach any message that I haven't first preached to myself, but but if there's something that rings true for you today, and I believe there will be, um, take that, and we're gonna run with that today. I guess the question is, do we have room in our lives for reaching the one? I'm gonna give you seven signs right now that we're in a Christian bubble. Um, If any of these smack true, then you can take it and run with it. So seven signs you're stuck in a Christian bubble. Number one, most of our prayers are about Christians, not unbelievers. Number two, we can't name five non-believers with whom we have genuine relationship, not just acquaintances. Number three, we try our best to avoid any interaction with the world, almost like it could contaminate us. Number four, we don't proactively pray by name for non-believers to know Christ. Number five, the only people we invite to church are other believers. Number six, we almost fear spending too much time with non-believers. Now listen, if you've come out of a situation um, where you were around a bad crowd and, and you got saved and you, you know, there's wisdom in separating yourself from some things, and there's wisdom if you were, you know, uh, there were certain places you, you shouldn't be able to go or you shouldn't go because you, you've been brought out of that and it could be a trigger if it's too soon, but listen, we should be the ones to be affecting culture. We should be the ones to be strong enough in Jesus to be able to go back into the world and grab them and bring people to Jesus, amen? All right, and seven, we never concern ourselves with whether our church is reaching non-believers. Now, I'm so grateful that we are in a church that is reaching people for Jesus. And a lot of times we see people just driving by and the Holy Spirit touches their heart and they just come in and they say, I just needed to be here today. It's amazing, almost weekly, Pastor Kelly, we're seeing people that, that the Holy Spirit is moving in. But we wanna be a part of it. How many wanna be a part of the game? How many, how many wanna be activated in the game? You, don't, you, didn't, you didn't just get saved to live in some kind of little bubble and be isolated, and then you come and stand before Jesus on that day and he's like, who's in heaven because of me? Is there, can you point to anybody? I wanna have people, I want him to say well done, thou good and faithful servant. So point number one here is to reach the one, we have to reprioritize our lives. We can't just live our lives in this bubble. We can't just live our lives just working jobs and doing business and and, and thinking, you know what, am I being effective in reaching those for the lost, and reaching people that need him? And so we're gonna have to reprioritize our lives. Let's keep going with this scripture here in verse two. It says, there was a man named Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector in the region. He'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. So let's talk about Zacchaeus, this man. He wasn't just a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. In other words, he oversaw other tax collectors. They're the ones doing the dirty work for him. And he's risen to a very high level of of wealth, but it was on the back of the Roman oppressed Jews. So his brotherhood there, his, his people despised him. The Jewish people despised tax collectors. The tax collectors of that day were not just a shady IRS agent who struggled with greed, They were Jewish sellouts to the oppressive Roman Empire who had taken over and unjustly occupied their country. So tax collecting was legalized political and religious treason. Tax collectors had a reputation for living excessively immoral lives. So the religious Jews considered them worse than thieves, murderers, and on par with dung collectors, street sweepers. Also, they were thought to be past the point of repentance. Isn't that interesting? I I think about it, have you ever written somebody off to be past the point of salvation, unable to receive the grace of God? Have we ever looked at them and judged them because of the bumper sticker on their car, or how they dress, or how they look, or maybe what religious symbol they carry? Oh, that person is past the point. Who are we to be the ones that say, If this is the well of life, you can come, but you can't. I was talking with somebody after first service and um, this point was resonating with them. And they had a a time where they invited um, and had some Muslims live in their home. And um, it was amazing. She said, the ridicule I got and the judgment I got from the Christians was unbelievable. But we begin to see change happen in their hearts. I remember years ago, Nancy and I had a, a foreign exchange student come and live with us from uh, China. And this is a young, young girl. She had never heard the name Jesus. She never heard the gospel at all. And um, she lived with us for just a very short period of time. But she began to experience love in our homes like she had never known. As a matter of fact, um, w- we pulled up on the, the Bible app, the Chinese, there's th- I guess three different dialects. She picked the one and she sat there one night We left her alone in a room with a computer. She read the whole book of Romans. And she comes out and she said, matter of fact, I would like to give my heart to Jesus now. You You know, and just because she experienced, yeah. Now, when she left, when she got back on that bus to go with the other foreigners, we've never heard from her since. And she hugged us so tightly because she was going back to a situation where literally when she was born, her father walked out of the room because she was a girl. People need to experience love. People need to experience the real Jesus, not the churchy, religious Jesus, not your fish bumper sticker. Sorry if you got one, it's okay. But sometimes we wear the shirts and we have the jargon, we have the lingo, we have the, what we call Christianese. Well bless you, well, bless you, no bless your heart. We know, we know how to talk but there's a whole world outside of this bubble that doesn't get it at all. They don't understand it. Our little codes and things that we do, that we get. See, I I know as a pastor growing up in this long enough, I know how to push some buttons and get you guys excited, get the believers excited, but I'm more concerned about those in this room that haven't experienced the real Jesus. Maybe you experienced some kind of religious version of plastic Jesus but I'll tell you Jesus is all about you he's all about you in the middle of your mess no matter what kind of language you use no matter if you smoke no matter if you drink no matter if you whatever Jesus is more he's bigger than all of that and some of you some of you still working through some things but you know when you come to church you got to put on the facade because you're worried about the judgment now, I'll tell you, Jesus doesn't pacify sin. He wants you to be clean, but he's gonna, he's gonna work with you to get there, and you're gonna have to yield some things to him, but I'm telling you that, you know what, church? We've got to be more like him. Yeah. Right. Sinners were drawn to Jesus. Yeah. He was known as a friend of sinners and tax collectors, and it was the religious crowd that often were like, Jesus, what are you doing? What in the world? Why would you be around with that person? Why would you hang with that person? And here, this man Jesus is walking through the streets, and the chief tax collector, according to the Jews, the scum of the scum, wants to see him. He wants to see him. He doesn't know how he's gonna see him, he's a little short, so he finds a tree that God guarded and kept that tree from being a seedling all the way to being strong enough to hold that man so on that day he could climb up that tree and just say, he's coming this way. Hmm. Think about it, have we ever written somebody off as past the point of salvation? Thought about they're too sinful, they're too mean, they're too hateful, they're too, you fill in the blank, you know? And just to be clear, Jesus wasn't soft on sin. You know, is Jesus against extortion? Yes. Is he against people stealing? Yes. And obedience was a big deal to him. But that can only happen on the other side of a love encounter, an encounter with a love that speaks worth and value to somebody. So it is about truth in love, not truth or love. I love how Preston Sprinkles puts it, it's one of my favorite authors right now, because he's he's not afraid to get his, in the middle of it. Preston Sprinkles is a a theologian, um, and he grew up in the evangelical Christianity bubble. And he had a certain perspective from that bubble about the LGBTQ community. And, um, And God began to move in his heart to begin to connect with people. So he would begin to go to coffee shops and he would sit down with people. And he would begin to hear their story. And the more stories that he heard, he found that there's people that are seeking God, that are searching for God. He's found that there's people that used to be in the church but they left the church, not because of the doctrinal stance of the church, but because of how they were treated. And what he's found is people coming to Christ, He's found some of the most devout Christians. They read their Bible, they're praying, they're evangelizing, but still the church, because of their haircut, because of whatever, says, not you. Because we do this thing where we lump everybody together, don't we? Lump everybody from a political party, lump everybody from a certain viewpoint, and we say they're all like, but every person is valuable to God. Every person is loved by God. Every person. And there's some that can't come clean with things because they're too worried about what the church would say. You know, so they got that secret sin. Oh, that we would be a place, and I love it. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but everything that Pastor Benny and Kelly were saying up here, Man, it's the kind of church, they're speaking culture. I don't know if you're catching all that. They're speaking culture of this is who we are as a church. This is the kind of ministry we do. This is who we represent. This is how we love people. This is how we surround people and lift them up and help them to come to a higher place because God's got more for you. God's got better for you than where you're living. Can only happen with an encounter of love. This is what Preston Sprinkle says. He says, Jesus is not some ethical Gumby that can be bent around our personal desires. He wasn't a moral jellyfish, nor did his radical love towards sinners mean that he couldn't care less about their sin. Jesus preached repentance. As a matter of fact, he held a higher moral standard than the religious teachers of the day. Somebody remember the Sermon on the Mount? (laughs) Let's take it up a notch, right? He cares deeply about obedience, and yet sinners were drawn to him but this man who was written off by the religious crowd was trying to see him. He wanted to see Jesus. He was too short, but would not let his limitation keep him from seeing Jesus. I wonder how many would love to see Jesus and experience the real Jesus, but Christians are too preoccupied with other things. Maybe they're just like the crowd. They're just enjoying being in the in crowd, the groupies. You know, Jesus always had groupies, right? And sometimes it was the groupies that were like, oh, what? When he knelt down and writes in the sand and tells the woman who was caught in adultery adultery, go and sin no more. Or when they found him at the well with the woman there that had, you know, had five husbands, the man she's living with isn't her husband now. And here Jesus is striking up a conversation, talking to her about eternal life. And can you, all the times and they come back and they were shocked. He's talking to a woman and a Samaritan at that, right? It's like the groupies sometimes don't get it. And so we've got to be careful to make sure we're constantly pushing outside. We're constantly saying, Jesus, give me your eyes to see. Give me your ears to hear and give me your heart. Verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name, Zacchaeus. Two things I notice here. Number one, he looked at him. He could have just walked right by. He could have just been like, I'm with my group, and ignore. How many times do we ignore people around us? Just disregard that they're even there, because we're focused, and we got a mission, and we're so stinking busy, always in a hurry, got our calendars filled up, right? And we're going from one thing to the next and we got the thing over here and the sports thing over here and the work thing over here and we're doing that project over here and, and there's people that are dying and going to hell yeah. because we're so busy. But Jesus stopped and he looked up and he saw him and in that he gave him value. He said Zacchaeus. He called him by name. This is somebody created in God's image, regardless of their behavior, regardless of their beliefs, and regardless of their past. All people deserve to be seen. Then he calls his name. I'm sure that this man had been called a lot of things. (laughs) Filth, sinner, sellout, reject, defiled. Lots of names. But on this particular day, the savior of the world calls out his name, and his heart leaps. Because in his name is his personhood, his identity, his value, respect, and dignity. You will never win somebody to Christ if they don't know that you respect them. That you value them. I mean, we gotta be careful. Because sometimes we're so quick to, even in the attempt to evangelize, why it's felt forced sometimes is because we've already got in our mind this pre-planned program, right, of what we're going to say, and if they say this, I'm gonna say this, rather than just listening, rather than just valuing saying, you know what, I respect you. Another person after service, first service, was talking about this when they, they were doing the massage thing, like those chairs in the mall, you know, where so many people just come by and there was a, a lady that come by and she had the dot in her forehead. And her thought was, she's already made up her mind. I wonder if we've written some people off because of their religious, you know, what they put off or, or even a symbol or the way that they're dressed. But as she's, um, you know, giving her a massage there, she just said something about Jesus and the lady's like, oh, I love Jesus. We gotta drop all of the assumptions. We gotta drop all of the categories, just take them and chuck them, because they won't help. And listen, if you're involved politically or um, you're charged up about things when you get online or Facebook, there's so many that because they're so in it and they're so, that's their view, that they can't remove themselves from it to see people. All they see is an issue. So he calls them by name. There are many today that are not in the church, not because of the doctrine or the teaching of the church, but because of how they were treated. Sometimes we see people as issues to be solved rather than people to be loved. And we labeled them liberal, worthless, fools, gay, heathen, sinners, whatever. Even if we don't say it, but we think it in our hearts. Whatever we really believe about people will impact whether or not we deem them savable. Whether we deem them as a person of value that is created in the image of God. Can we see people like Jesus did? Can we see people the way he saw them? A person made in his image that has purpose and value. That's what Jesus did. So much so that he died for us dirty, filthy sinners. You and me, right? So point two here is to reach the one, we will have to see and value people like Jesus did. Let's continue with the scripture. So Jesus says to him, after calling out his name, Zacchaeus, quick, come down, I must, somebody say must. must. I must be a guest in your home today. I don't know about you, but when I read this, it's interesting what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, I can tell by your outfit that you are a tax collector. And um, I just gotta tell you, that is not the right line of work. Do you realize what you're doing? You know, he he didn't say, I've been hearing a lot about all this money that you've stolen and you need to clean up your act, mister. He didn't say, come down from the tree so I can tell you about my kingdom. I want to tell you about how to have eternal life for all these people here, you know. He didn't say any of that. He simply said, I want to be in your life. I want to be a guest in your home. I must be. Have me over. I think if Jesus had a home there, he'd probably be like, you're coming over to my house. You know what I'm saying? When's the last time we opened up our homes to people that believe completely different, that see life completely different? I think it's sobering. I wanna hang with you, Zacchaeus. I wanna be in your life. You know, see, people like Jesus, most of them. You know the ones that don't like Jesus, the ones that are most vehemently against Jesus are the ones that were burnt by the church or they were burnt by a believer or they had a bad representation. I mean, why would you be so hateful against Jesus? You know what I'm saying? So so people, people mostly, in surveys, there's a survey done at a college campuses, liberal colleges, found that the response that people had to Jesus was mostly positive, but their response to what they thought about Christians or the church was negative. I was talk, telling that to somebody um, a couple weeks ago and they said, yeah, there's actually, you know, the shift right after services, like on Sundays, that is the shift that some people don't want to work at the drive-throughs because of how Christians treat them. Years ago, in, in Florida, we had what was called Night of Joy. Um, so at Disney World, on a certain night, um, from like four o'clock all the way to like midnight or something, they would have all these Christian artists. And I'm gonna date myself here, but they had like artists like Petra. And, um, you know, Mylon LeFevre, if you guys are like, I don't know who that is. Um, Point of Grace, or you know, Stephen Curtis Chapman, I, I, I guess you probably know that. Anyway, these were the stages, and so they would have Christian artists, and there would be a bunch of Christian youth groups who'd come to Night of Joy. I went to school in Stetson, um, Stetson University in DeLand, Florida, and I worked with people that worked at Disney World. They were in different shows and stuff. And they said, that is the night that people do not want to work, because they are, it, it is the trash, the park's the most trashed, people are the, are the rudest, on and on and on and on. Romans 2, 4 says, it's God's kindness that is intended to lead us to repentance. I wonder if we could have the heart of Jesus. I wonder if we could be people, because for some, you've got to break through that barrier already, that preconceived thing already. You've got to break through that. So I wonder if we could leave today even just being so filled with the kindness of Jesus towards people that we could just invite them in our lives and say, you know what, I want it. can I just go to coffee with you? Can I just hear your story? I would just love to get together with you, not so you can preach at them, but so that you can be near them, so that you can be in their lives, because you can't lead somebody unless you connect to them. So that's point number three, (laughs) to reach the one, we need to be willing to be in relationship with them, with unbelievers, in relationships with people, not not with some kind of ulterior motive, just to love them, to treat them like Jesus would. Now I wanna tell you, um, in general, we have not we have an incredible church, and so I I don't want this to come across like we're not being kind or whatever. I actually feel like this church gets it in this area. We are grateful that that Calvary is The first time we came, there's such a generous spirit. There's such a loving spirit. There's all of that. But I believe that when we are outside of these walls, we need to make sure we're carrying the love and the kindness of Jesus and the mercy of Jesus. And there should be evidence, because this place should be growing every week with new people coming in. Hey, come to my church. Why don't you come and visit? Why don't you come and be a part of this? Amen. Verse six. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Do you hear his heart? Do you see how excited Zacchaeus was in this moment? But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. The people were displeased. Wow. The religious crowd. Oh, there's another scandalous encounter with sinners. (laughs) We're going to have to be less concerned with how the 99ers think about us and more concerned with what the lost and the hurting in our world think about us. We are carriers of the nature of God. So when they look at us, do they see the real Jesus? Do they see the kindness of God, the loving heart of a God that would send his only son to this world knowing that he'd be beat He'd be spit on, he'd be abused, he'd be, all of that. And God still sent him. And Jesus was still willing to say, I'm going there. Because for the joy set before him, on the other side of that, he saw many sons and daughters from all races, all countries, every part of this world, many sons and daughters coming, young and old and messed up people. (laughs) Because if we'd all admit it, we're all pretty messed up. So the people were displeased. But we're gonna have to be less concerned with that than we are the hurting and the lost. See, Zacchaeus represents the marginalized by the church, the ones that wouldn't make the most likely to be saved list. Jesus, however, was known as a friend of sinners and tax collectors. And look at Zacchaeus' response here. This utter joy that he had because he was shown love and dignity. He was shown value in just a word, in just a moment, in just a smile. I could almost see Jesus looking up. Hey, Zacchaeus, I must be a guest in your house. He climbs down with great joy, brings him to his home. And this is what is amazing to me. In verse eight it says, meanwhile Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Now let me ask you a question, church. This is not a a trick question. Did Jesus anything represent in what he said? Did did, did he say anything about what Zacchaeus would have to do? The only words that we have from, from Jesus are, his name and I'm coming to your house. That's all we have. We don't have a message that he preached. We don't have any kind of response. But because he showed him this, well you know what this tells me? This tells me that the Holy Spirit was already working in Zacchaeus' heart before Jesus even walked down that street. The Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts right now, and he's moving, and he's waiting for us to be the ones to say, hey, can you you come to coffee with me? Hey, I wanna be a part of your life. The Holy Spirit is already working. Don't you know that he loves the world more than we do? Don't you know that he's already working? So why, we need to partner with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm available every day. Every day I get up, Holy Spirit, I'm available today. Help me to be a conduit of your glory. Help me, because I know you're already working behind the scenes. So we gotta get the barrier away of maybe what their belief system is and what all the things, don't all the assumptions, all those assumptions, get them out so we can say Jesus is working in this heart. If he's drawing me to somebody, he's already working behind the scene because there's the Holy Spirit got Zacchaeus up that morning And the Holy Spirit moved in Zacchaeus to go and find this man named Jesus that he heard about and go climb a tree so he could maybe just get a glimpse of him past all the religious people that he knew he wouldn't be accepted by. But maybe he could just climb up a tree and see this Jesus and and, and that would be be good enough. But, But no, not only did he see him, but Jesus stopped and he turned. And he took time, and he looked at, and he valued, and he gave dignity to, and he said, now I wanna be in your life. And now Zacchaeus is like, I, I, I'm gonna give my wealth to the poor. I, 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 Jesus, if, I, if I've cheated anybody, I'm gonna give it back. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to your home. Because maybe salvation looks a little different than you and I think it does. Maybe it's a little different than saying a specific prayer. Because that, that, that order of words that you say does not represent the movement of your heart. But by him saying, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna, if, I've, if I've cheated anybody, do you realize what this would mean for him? He may not be able to continue in the line of work he's in. But Jesus didn't even have to address that. He just had to love him and show him dignity. And in that the Holy Spirit did the work so to reach the one we're going to have to partner with the Holy Spirit Church I want to know what kind of church will we be will we be a place where sinners are welcome or a special club for certain types of people because it may look a little different what happens if you get a lot of people coming in that have different beliefs and they bring their kids and their kids are wild and their kids haven't grown up watching VeggieTales and their kids are in our our kids' area and they might rub off on your kids and, boy, I've seen it in the church. I've seen ministries pivot and shift because there was too many unbelievers coming and so the people in the church got with the pastor and said, we really feel like our kids are, it's just every week's like an evangelistic message in youth and they're just not getting fed and they're just not going deeper. And so the church quit the bus ministry that was picking up people from the city that they had been doing for a long time because the people in the church said that our kids need to be protected. I didn't say that first service, that just came. that's a true story. I won't tell you what church that was in. That's a true story. Oh, that we would have the heart of Jesus and realize that it may not look pretty and it may not look perfect. But I'll tell you what, some people paid the price in the church to, to go after God and to say, we value the presence of God, we value people more than we value just doing, punching a card because we're part of the club. So may we have the heart of Jesus. When we get to the end of our lives, we'll have gone to school, possibly college, worked jobs, maybe gotten married and had some kids, raised them, sent them to college, worked other jobs, made some investments, lost money, made money, lost more money, bought a house or 10. But then we find ourselves standing before God and he said, what did you do with what I gave you? you? Did you connect with anybody that needed me? Did you give the message, did you love people? Is there, anybody, is there anybody here because of your life? And I'll tell you, I'll say it again, I don't preach any message that I'm not preaching to myself. We have to become more intentional about this. We're going to have to reprioritize. So here's four action steps we can take and the team can come up, worship team. Number one is we need to pray. And I start with this prayer for ourselves. You need to pray daily for yourself that God would give you the heart, the strength, the courage, the boldness, and opportunity to witness for him. When we say that to God, then we're setting our mind that today, I'm gonna be ready for an encounter. We need to pray for other believers. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Who's this talking about? This is talking about super apostle Paul. This is talking about the guy that wrote a lot of the New Testament. This is, and Paul's saying, I want you to pray for me that I'll be bold, that I'll have the right words to say. So if Paul needs that, we need that as well. So pray for yourself, pray for other believers, pray for the church here, and then pray for the one. Pray for the ones in your life, pray for that coworker, that neighbor, and be persistent in your prayer for them. Number two, we need to prioritize. That means to, that we need to make the things that are God's priority, our priority. Luke nineteen ten. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. John three sixteen we sang it, our first song today. God so loved the world that he gave us. Let it not just be a song we sing, but he gave us his only son so that whosoever, whosoever. Somebody say whosoever. There's a lot of whosoever's in our lives. We need to rearrange our lives and schedules to engage in the great commission. And then third thing, we've got a plan because wanting to do it is not the same thing as doing it. I'm I'm sure that right now we're all feeling like, yeah, we need to do that. But you know as well as I do, if you don't plan, it's not gonna happen, right? right? What's the quote? If you fail to plan, you plan to, it won't happen. We've gotta put it on a calendar. Get with your family and gather them around. A Couple weeks ago we wanted to do something um, in our neighborhood just to, part of this, try to get people together. Um, And you know we're gonna look at that. We put that on the calendar. We gotta get more things on the calendar. um, To try to, you know what, let's be intentional about getting people in relationship. Having people over to your house. Invite people over. If you have a coworker or whatever, I don't care if they've got the the worst language in the world and they're all over the map, invite them to your house. Be a part of their lives. Um, And then the last thing is pursue. Let's be about it. Let's run after it. Second Corinthians 520, my last scripture here, and I want us to all say this together. Let's all say it. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead come back to god jesus how many love jesus do we love him enough do we love him enough to look like him to not just read stories about him and see what he did but to engage in what he did right now if we could just bow our heads just take a few moments here If you're in this place today and um, maybe you haven't met the real Jesus maybe you met the religious Jesus and that's what you were, who you were introduced to and but you've not met the real Jesus and you still feel like you got to hide some things and you still feel like you can't really be yourself and you feel like you know what if you actually said what was on your heart and mind you would be judged and, I want to introduce you to the real Jesus who is coming to you where you're at today. Past all your mess and past your beliefs, past your doubts even, the assumptions we made, he's coming to you today and he wants to be in your home. He wants to be close to you. He's knocking at the door of your heart right now and he says, I, just let me in. Just let me, you don't have to clean yourself up first. Just let me in. I, I want to be in your life. I love you that much. If you're here today and uh, you don't really have a relationship with the real Jesus, I just want you to slip your hand up. I want to pray for you in this place. Just looking across the room. If you're on, uh, watching online right now and that's you, go ahead and slip your hand up where you're at. Now let me pray for you. Lord God, we're so grateful. So grateful for your love, love without limits. We're so grateful for your kindness today that led us to repentance. We're so grateful that we have this opportunity to turn our hearts towards you. And it doesn't have to be a certain phrase, it doesn't have to be a certain word, it doesn't have to be, but God, right now we turn our heart towards you because we want you in our lives. So we welcome you in right now. Take over, take over. Where my life's been has not been to where I wanna be. So come and take over. I need you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now just open up your heart. He's coming by he's about to look up and call you by name he knows your name he knows everything you've done and he's still looking at you with eyes of compassion Jesus now church this second call is a commitment to do something this week to move towards the ones in our lives let us not be those that come and hear a good message and worship and then we live our lives and then the next week we come back and we worship and a good message and we live our lives and maybe we're in a small group or all of that's great we need to do that but how many would say in this place I want to commit this week to connect with somebody that doesn't know Christ I want to commit this week to begin to pray for the ones that need him I want to begin to be strategic and make this a priority in my life. If that's you in this place, I wonder if you could just slip up your hand, that you want to make the lost a priority. I'm lifting my hand. I'm lifting both hands. I'm going to pray for you. Just leave your hands up in this place. Father God, I thank you, God. You see every person that's saying, I want to commit this is not something that we can force this is not something I want to even try to pull on to say hey you need to do more you need to do more no this is a personal conviction God we've heard your word and we're choosing to respond Lord we're choosing to be like you to live life with the lost to live life pursuing people for you to live life god with purpose god we thank you lord that there is joy there is joy lord god by connecting with people god that you're already working in holy spirit you're already moving in lives and we want to join with you in what you're already doing we thank you lord jesus we thank you, Lord Jesus. And God, we pray, Father, as we would strategically pray for people, that we would begin to see people get saved faster and faster. We would see this church begin to double. If everybody in this church would just win one, this church would double. If everybody in this church would win one or two or three, God, oh God, we thank you, Lord, that there's nothing that is impossible. This area is not impossible to reach. Our coworkers are not impossible to reach. We push out doubt right now. Oh, that that, that person that's been given kickback at work. God, we pray for them, God. And we take authority over that spirit that would cause them to have a wall up and god we believe right now we thank you that prayer works we thank you that prayer breaks down barriers god break it down in us help us to see people outside of the christian bubble help us god to take our perspective god and shift it to be what you see god in jesus name in jesus name can we stand up together in this place can we stand up together in this place can you just lift up your hands to heaven all over this place the church is rising up the church is moving the church is going to new levels God we're joining with you and what you're doing right now in Jesus name we thank you Lord hallelujah thank you Jesus and God right now thank you Lord I want to do this I want to do this we're gonna sing in just a minute but I want to do this I want you to just keep your eyes closed for a minute I want to take about the next 30 seconds and I want you just to open your ears to the Holy Spirit. Because the prayer right now is, God, show me something specific, something with strategy that I can do this week. Maybe he'll drop the name of that person that's going to be your one that you're going to write down and you're going to begin to invite. So the next 30 seconds, they're just going to play, and I want, to, I want you just to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak. thank you that you are speaking to us and that you're moving in this place and so as we leave here today we're gonna we're gonna make this a high priority we're gonna God we're gonna arrange things if that means we have to cancel some of the things we've got on our agenda so that we can do what you've called us to do we're gonna do it God we thank you Lord God that the harvest is ready God and that there are people that are ready to say yes to you God and so we're gonna move in your power and your authority in Jesus name thank you Lord I want to encourage you as the Lord spoke something to you I want you to write that down the Bible says you've got to write it down make the vision plain so that the the runners can run so we in order to do something we got to write it down maybe it's a name maybe it's a strategy maybe it's somebody you're going to call on the phone this week but whatever it is I want you to take it seriously and let's see this let's see this grow let's see the kingdom of God advance in this area amen how many no greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world yeah okay so no heads in the sand let's get our shoulders back our heads up put a smile on your face you serve a risen savior you serve a jesus that's coming back and a jesus that loves every single person amen amen Father God, we thank you for this day, and God, we pray, Father, that as we leave, that you would just fill us with your joy, fill us with your kindness, help us to represent you well. God, at the drive-through or the restaurant after today, God, help us to represent you well wherever we go, and God, help us to patiently lead people to you. In Jesus' mighty name, and somebody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. We're going to see you next week, and listen. You heard about Alpha earlier. That's a way to to put legs to what we're talking about right here. I want you to be praying. God, how do you want me to be involved in Alpha? Okay? And then in three weeks, on July 17th, we're going to have an interest meeting right here after this service. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.